EV subsidy. We've possibly been forgotten about. Making medicinal cannabis. The whole picture is quite a confused one. And the cost of NCEA. It's embarrassing. Kia ora. welcome to One News Inside Parliament. It's a weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering on One News. I'm Benedict Collins. And I'm Mikey Sherman. And I'm Jessica Much Mackay. Yeah, so let's start off with the highlights and the lowlights. The week highlight for me, uh, a clear winner, uh, the Black Caps <laughs> last night, dealing to India, um, coming right in the in the big game after um, a few woeful performances. Uh, so we're into the final on Sunday night. Very exciting times. It's very exciting. Mm. And, and it means we wake up today and we have quite a few um, stories in our bulletin about the cricket as well, which perhaps eases the pressure a little bit after recess week for us, which is good. So it's win, 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 really. It is. The funniest thing to me is when you're sort of scrolling through Twitter and you see all of the cricket fans in their sort of singular comments like, oh baby and wow, and you're like, what are they on about? And it's about the cricket games. (laughs) From quite a few politicians. Yes, including the Minister of Sport. Yeah. Um, My peak this week um, has been um, some of the work that one of our political producers, Jess Roden, has been doing. She's um, looking at waste-free July Mm. and she wrote a really interesting blog that went up on our website about um, plastic bags and things like that and I think it's been quite good for us Um, she does sort of daily updates on it and for me it's been really good um, having a think about some of that stuff um, and and looking at what we use for waste and and things like you know reusable cups and plastic bags and and those little basic things so I think that's been a bit of an eye-opener and I really enjoyed reading her piece. It's quite a rabbit hole though too isn't it once you start thinking about um, all the packaging and and crap that you um, consume on a daily basis. Basis and, and how prepared you're, pre- how far you're prepared to go with it as well. Mm. Not and that Jess, far, but small tweaks. You know what I mean? I think that's what it's about. And Jess has a podcast. Uh, oh no, sorry, a blog. A blog, blog yeah, um, calling "Let's Get Naked." Yeah, called "Let's Get Naked." Get naked. Get naked. Get naked. Let's not yeah. get naked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Anyway. Talking of pets. <laughs> no, I'm still on a peak. My peak okay. this week is um, the appointment of our new race relations commissioner, uh, Ming Foon, who's been um, almost 20 years as the mayor of Gisborne. He speaks Te Reo Māori, Cantonese, and English, and it's going to be great to have him in that role. Yeah. Mm. That's a, and really big news, and I think he's a well-known household name mm. as well. It's good. What about pits? Well, you know, I think I might be stealing yours here, but it's recess at the moment. It's pretty quiet around here, isn't it? Yeah, it is mm. a bit. And I think the other thing with that is that um, because of recess and all the MPs go away, and the other thing that's really um, hurting my soul a little bit is the parliamentary cricket team is in London, and I'm just like, oh, I'm just jealous of that. Like, it would just be so cool to be able to be there, play a little 2020 cricket against the English side and the Indian side, and then be able to watch the Black Cat. So I just reckon that would be really fun. And Lords is just such an amazing and they, ground and oh, and they are up against some um, rather more professional um, yeah. uh, teams, I believe. Just I think a tad. Um, yeah. Chris Bishop was tweeting the other day like the Pakistani um, political team had like a, a forty-three MP training camp or something like yeah. that before, yeah. <laughs> before yeah. they came over. And I think you know some of the sides have sort of rustled up former you know international stars and yeah. stuff like that. And mm. we're just sending literally our MP, so it's good. It's very good. Yeah. But yeah, I think that, um, that that's rough to watch in recess week. Let me tell you. 
My pit this week, um, it might be a pit for David Seymour. Mm. Um, his complaint to the Auditor General came back yesterday about um, a conflict of interest that Shane Jones was perceived, or uh, well, actually had actually, which he declared um, in regards to a Northland project part of the Provincial Growth Fund. Um, the results of that investigation were that he didn't break um, Cabinet guidelines or rules. He acted appropriately, but probably just a slight warning for the Minister going forward is that if he is going to chip in um, where he has has declared a conflict, he should probably record that properly um, in said meetings. And how do you think um, Shane Jones will uh, respond to this uh, critique? Oh, I don't think he'll give two faffs. No, I don't <laughs> I'm not sure if he'll be <laughs> the, huge the, the chiropractor for the regions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Says, mm. It's good. Hey, but there has been um, a pretty fascinating announcement earlier mm. this week by the government um, around electric vehicles and, and subsidies for those and sort of a, a bit of a fee or a tax eh, for the gas guzzlers. Let's have a look at Jess's track. Good news if you're looking to buy a cleaner, greener car, but not so good if you're into gas guzzlers. Let's bring in the fully electric Nissan Leaf. It's the biggest selling electrical vehicle in New Zealand and the world. Cars like this will be up to $8,000 cheaper under a bold government plan to tackle climate change and make fuel-efficient cars more affordable for Kiwis. Looking on the other side, fuel-efficient petrol cars like the Suzuki Swift here will also become cheaper, but heavy polluting vehicles will cost up to $3,000 more. As an example, this big boy, the Toyota Hilux. Newer models will cost about $2,000 more under the scheme, which will also introduce new standards. So basically, lower emissions, lower cost. Higher emissions, higher price. Figures show there are about 3.2 million petrol cars on our roads, compared to almost 15,000 electric vehicles. For more details and reaction, here's political editor Jessica Much Mackay. They're better for the planet and save your pocket at the pump. So what's holding us back? The cost. Money. Money. At the moment, they're just too expensive. Now the government's looking to chip in and make it cheaper. These policies are about making it a more realistic option for more New Zealanders. Proposed discounts would apply to new and used cars sold in New Zealand for the first time and kick in in 2021. As well as big discounts for electric cars, new plug-in hybrids, which run on both petrol and electricity, would get a $6,800 discount. New, very fuel-efficient cars would get $2,800 off, and used imported electric cars would save $2,600. The discounts stop when the car goes over $80,000. For many, this is welcome news. bought an electric second-hand leaf, and you'd never get me back to a petrol car. Save the pollution, save the world. We all need one. Martin Harwood reckons he's sold 400 electric cars over the last five years. He says they quickly pay for themselves. Only for $30,000 or under, it's really a bargain. The government is promising this will be cost neutral. So how will it pay for it? By slapping a tax on gas-guzzling cars. For example, high-emission Range Rovers and the Nissan Patrols would be hit with a $3,000 fee. It's fair that the vehicles that are the most responsible for climate change pay a little bit more so that we can clean up the rest of the cars on our roads. It's probably been thought of in an urban sense and we've possibly kind of been forgotten about. Farmers say enough alternatives are still years away. Unless there's an electric vehicle that can, you know, 
take a whole heap of fencing equipment and the kids, um, a whole bunch of supplies and the groceries, um, you know, we're kind of stuck with that double cab ute. When things are looking you know, a little bit tough for people, uh, layering on additional cost is just not the way to go. They'll get to air their concerns during the government's consultation, which runs for the next six weeks. I think this is one of those stories that everyone um, feels connected to because we all sit there and, and think about, we look up our own cars and, and even talking to people on the street there, it was really easy to get a, a, a voxy mm. and a personal opinion from people because I think um, a lot of people in that middle income think, oh, I'd quite like to buy an electric car, it's just a little bit out of my, my reach. But I think when you start putting, so I think most people like the idea of making electric cars cheaper, it's when you start putting the tax on the utes and the vans and things like that, that's when you start getting into dangerous territory and that's when I think you'll get a bit of a backlash um, from some of the people like the farmers, like the families who need bigger cars. But it's people buying new, right? <coughs> who are going to be if hit, it, if it's sold in New Zealand that, for the first time, with so that it, higher fee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it wouldn't apply if you have that car at the moment. But let's say you've got this certain type of car and then want to upgrade it um, and get a new one, and you imported it new to New Zealand and being purchased for the first time, then that would apply that fee. Yeah, I looked at my car. And my car is part of the $1,400 range that'll get a fine or Or slapped on it. An an extra tax on top. An extra tax on top. So that was great. It was great reading. (laughs) But it might incentivise you to go for the leaf. Yeah, but next, I think next time that you're in a market for a car. Maybe if they can fit um, the seven, five children in, five yeah, children yeah. and two adults, sure. But the, the range is rather limited. But see, Benedict balances you, balances you out, so it's good with his with his car. So you know we're going okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although um, now Benedict's missed out on getting the subsidy himself because he's already got one. So yes, recently recently bought a hybrid. Mm. Yeah. So mm. and so. and also our um, crew cars are hybrids as well. So. Um, I think that's one. We're, it's it's becoming something that we're more used to and more um, yeah. familiar with. It'll be interesting to see because uh, I think at the moment there's a figure around like I think we for every 64 Ford Rangers that are bought, uh, there's one electric car bought at the moment. So it's still you know heavily heavily weighted in favour of the gas guzzlers. So it's going to be interesting to watch 2021 in the next few years as to whether you know it does really incentivise change and it was interesting Andrew Hoggard I thought in your track mm. saying oh you know well for farmers we need to be able to fit the kids and the shopping and the uh, fence material and, and the fence posts mm. right in the, in the back of the thing you know obviously you can fit the kids and the shopping and you know, lower value things but I guess his point, his point was I guess around the farm you know, yeah, and um, also equipment being, that, keep, that you need to lug around in the back. Yeah, of the and his um, he's up in Manawatu, and so him he was saying, look, I could get to Wellington, but then I'd have to have somewhere to charge it, um, you know, at my place of work because he wouldn't be able to get back. So it's things like that that um, perhaps his point about you know it is quite an urban focused thing that it's not necessarily um, for those guys if you know because most of us would charge at home. Yet there are a few um, public stations, but he'll have to come in. He'd have to drive into town find somewhere to plug in before he could go home again um, and and until those systems and things are in place or, or the speed If you had a which, pure electric, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There are but, lots of hybrids and very fuel efficient. Yeah, and it's and also well. you know, it's 20 minutes to top up um, if you're in, if you're plugging in and you are charge, yeah, yeah so yeah. there are yeah. there are options around it but you can see his point that it's not going to be a mainstream thing for someone like him 
in the near future. Yeah, I did think it was also interesting, Julianne Genta, um in her argument, sort of justif- her justification for the fee, saying, "Oh, hey, well, no, the the most or the least fuel efficient cars, you know, that um, contribute the most to climate change, is a fear that they, you know, be hit with this fee to, you know, penalise that behaviour. So, but if we're going to, uh, you know, bring that logic in and apply it to people buying vehicles, it's going to be interesting to see whether the government applies it uh, in the next week or so when they make an announcement around agriculture and the ETS." Right, because if we're going to do it for motorists, we're going to do it for farmers too. And, and her answer would to... be yes. <laughs> do you know what I mean? That, well, I think a... we're going to find out. Yeah, yeah pretty yeah. soon whether or not they're going to get another. Um, you know, farmers will get a free pass again, and not be brought into the ETS. Yeah, and whether the Greens have to suck that up again politically. Mm. I think that you know this issue, obviously this week, and and particularly because it has been such a quiet political week with recess and, and all of that. Um, but it's just, it would no doubt have been fuel um, for those critics who would argue that this is another sort of loony green idea going a step too far in terms of it's one thing to um, bring in the carrot in terms of the incentives um, to move towards those electric vehicles but then to bring in the stick as well and slap on those extra tax when there are issues like we've already spoken about that um, Andrew Hoggart and them have raised um, it's I wonder how it'll go down for the for the Green Party I think it depends one. where you sit in it as well if you are thinking ah my next next car will I'm you know you're reasonably comfortable I'm thinking my next car will be a um, electric car or a or a hybrid then I do think that um, they'll see that as a favorable thing if you're sitting there being like you're dreaming if you if you think I'm getting a new car in the next five to ten years and it needs to be a van because I've got my tools in the back and mm. you know what I mean like I think it's it's that it's the prism you look through will be mm. will definitely judge this announcement and whether it works, but it's definitely slanted to a certain group of people. Yeah, uh, interestingly too, um, we had a look back through the files and uh, we've got this track here from 1995 in which we had a look at a um, early model electric vehicle. It looks like any other car, but it has one major difference. This Toyota Starlet runs on batteries rather than fuel. Just handles normally, um, drives normally. The power for around town is very similar to a normal or small little car. There are eight 12-volt batteries in the car. It can reach a top speed of 100 kilometres an hour and can travel 50 kilometres before being recharged. The car's just brought back to the compound here and plugged in um, to be recharged. How long does it take to recharge the batteries? The batteries take about 12 hours from flat to recharge and be plugged in and left overnight. Christchurch is one of the country's worst smog problems. Electric cars produce no exhaust emissions, so are easy on the environment. And smog's not just a problem here. In the United States, California's passed a law stating by 1998, 2% of all vehicles sold by major manufacturers must have no exhaust emissions. For that reason, Mercedes-Benz developed an electric car, which looks like this. But like other electric cars, it can't travel far before having to be recharged. In another five years, though, the company hopes to have developed a self-charging battery. Certainly by the turn of the century, we'll see some form of electric vehicles available. And by then, they may be a lot cheaper. This Toyota cost $15,000 to convert. 
But car manufacturers say in another 15 years, electric cars will dominate our roads. It's so interesting um, uh, little prediction in that story from 95 saying that electric vehicles would be dominating the market within 15 years, which would have made it 2010. No, not quite dominating, but I do think, you know, every time I'm out now, I just see more and more and more Nissan Leafs out there. I think it is heading that way. Yeah, and, it, and we've come a long way, as we can see from those stories. They were almost talking about electric cars as if this is what an electric car is and this is what happens. We now talk about it as, a, you know, people know what you mean when you say a hybrid or a plug-in hybrid or um, a fully electric car or a low emissions vehicle. Do you know what I mean? I think those, in that way, we've come quite far. It's just that it's mm. perhaps, they're perhaps not on the road as much as, as they predicted then. But maybe another five to ten years and it will be much more of a thing. Yeah. So, I, yeah, right, perhaps not too far off. And we should yeah. be careful of the predictions that we make in our and, stories. And I think you're going to get more and more infrastructure as well, right, yeah. built, yeah. built well, around yeah. um, catering for electric vehicles, make yeah. it easier for them to you know, to get that little charge up in the city if they need them more. Yeah. Something like, mm. we'll hey, another um, announcement uh, by the government this week. They released more details around how they're planning to go about setting up the medicinal cannabis market. Uh, let's have a look at this track. It's estimated tens of thousands of Kiwis are already using marijuana for medicinal purposes. But when substances are illegal, there's often no quality control. We don't know the strains in the black market, so we need a, regu a regulated system so the patients uh, are safe in using what strain or potency that they need. Now the government has released proposals for the regulated medicinal marijuana market it wants to set up. The public is going to want to be able to access these products in a more affordable way and be sure uh, that they are of a high quality. And it's no different for our uh, GPs and prescribers around the country. They want to know that these are quality products that are going to make a real difference in people's lives. There's going to be a real need for education, both for physicians, but also for people who are using cannabis therapeutically and maybe have this idea that it's going to be a cure-all, and that's really not the case. There was a mixed reaction from the sector to the government's proposals today. We're going to have medicinal cannabis products of pharmaceutical grade, but it's not actually sure whether it'll just be doctors that can prescribe them or they can be there from other sources, so the whole picture is quite a confused one. Selling marijuana to be smoked has been ruled out in today's proposals because of the harm smoking causes. The recommendation is that it should be vaped instead. And those with a green thumb already involved in the cannabis black market have been told they'll be able to bring their seeds or intellectual property into the new system. We want to find uh, a way for people with experience with these products to contribute to society in a legal way where we uh, have tax and all other good things. But the vaping proposal doesn't sit well with National. We, of course, want to be smoke-free by 2025, but it seems the government wants to put in place a regime that will do just that for medicinal cannabis. Tinctures, oils and edibles, or even rub-on, uh, can be just as effective or more so in the long term than, than vaping it. The consultation period closes in early August, and the rules will be in place by the end of the year. The government's announcement uh, yesterday, basically a, a whole range of different um, proposals and ideas and, and, and sort of starting points that it wants to set up um, uh, around the medicinal man, uh, cannabis market. Um, was it kind of interesting chatting to Peter Dunn, um, who's now an advisor um, for one of the medicinal cannabis companies that's setting up in New Zealand? And he thinks that you know, government's been pretty slow. Um, they were sort of promising this would be done... He, he felt 
almost um, this sort of time last year. And he say, and one of the things he was saying is, look, it, once the government actually finalises these regulations and brings them in, that's when companies can start ramping up. But it's going to take a long, long time for these New Zealand companies that are going to set up to be able to bank you know, to be able to be testing products and bring them into the market. He thinks there's quite a few years of um, basically delay or lag between you know, the government finally sorting out what it's going to do later this year before you know things are really up and running because the they country. need to know the parameters and that's the thing that must be really frustrating is you know mm. you've got i've got the infrastructure i've got the knowledge we've got the people on standby but we need to know how we're operating and in which sphere we're operating before we can start cranking up with this so you can imagine um maybe for yeah. Peter Dunn if he's getting his, his advisory fees he doesn't <laughs> mind if it drags on for a little while but um for some of those companies it must be really frustrating yeah i um it's <laughs> It's kind of interesting too. It looks like a pretty, you know, serious kind of market that they set up. I had a friend who went to a um, medicinal marijuana doctor in California and went in, and um, this little old man came out with like a marijuana leaf on his hat and said, "Oh, what, what troubles you?" And he said, "Oh, you know, a bit of a sore back. Oh, marijuana's right for you." The doctor said, "You know, it was almost very a joke, loose. kind of, yeah, yeah, very loose. It was, you know." Oh, and, I've got altitude sickness or whatever, right? And they'll, yeah. oh, marijuana's for you kind yeah. of thing. And that's one of the things I found interesting in your story as well about the doctor side of things, whether mm. it would have to go through a doctor. And and we've seen this with other things as well. If then certain doctors became, become known for, um, you know, being more lenient or being more strict or there's all of those kinds of parameters but, as well. But, so. but the interesting thing is too, right, is people are doing it or people are self-medicating already illegally and breaking the law. Um depending on who you talk to. Some people think you know, it could be thirty to 50,000. Um, Rose Renton yesterday was telling us she thinks it could be 150,000 Kiwis are already growing their own or sourcing their own cannabis to treat you know, um, <laughs> illnesses. illnesses or, yeah. um, and, and for some people, especially you know, with different types of illnesses or spasticities and things like that, it can be highly, highly effective. Um, so, you know, so the government see that people are going to keep doing it themselves or you can bring in this regulated market and and by doing that you give people certainty around dose and the and the products that they're using mm-hmm. and they're saying end of the year right? that's the time frame yeah yeah yep so the, the the rules are supposed to be in place by the end of the year and the okay. system's supposed to be up and running early 2020 mm. yeah. the interesting things that i found from that track were um the fact that they were had ruled out the ability to smoke um, the marijuana um, for medicinal purposes instead opting to vape it. Mm. Um, I wonder how that'll go down with those who um, use it, well, it so, currently. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be interesting, won't it? Because with, with, with the vape, you're not, you're not getting all the harmful... You're not smoking the whole product, basically. It's burning off the, um, the THC or the uh, CBD or the different compounds. Mm. So you're getting that without having to smoke all the all the actual you know leaf material so it's easier on your lungs and that's kind of the way what we're seeing with tobacco as well right people getting more and more into those healthier vapes rather than smoking the tobacco as well and that was another um funny point actually was the national party's comment um that they made and their biggest concern it seems or the one that made the story anyway um was that they were worried about our 2025 um, smoke-free target 
and how that might be affected if we allow people to smoke um, mm. medicinal marijuana. And I just thought that was a bit ridiculous to be worrying about the 2025 smoke-free target when we're talking about people who need medicinal cannabis for their ailments and illnesses, etc. Yeah, and I think vaping's highly effective in terms of getting the dose to people quickly. Um, you know, it's absorbed by the body quite rapidly, you know, compared to eating and stuff like that, which there are also a big reservations around in terms of the the dosage and stuff. Oh, and the last point was bring your own seeds. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. And the minister coming <laughs> in coming in saying we want all the expertise um, that people have, so bring in your, yeah, bring that, in your that, seeds that, and we'll find the constraints. That we currently, you know, arrest people for now. It is mm. interesting, isn't it, in saying, yeah, yeah we, we want their uh, intellectual property. I did find myself standing in Parliament last night uh, recording that piece to camera sort of pinching myself and saying it is kind of weird that I'm standing here at parliament you know talking about marijuana seeds quite loudly and, and <laughs> <Yeah>. marijuana <laughs> cannabis and yeah. the, the green thumb yeah. you know in, in the halls of power in New Zealand it's yeah. kind of how did I end up here in, yeah. you know, doing this yeah, but yeah it was a, I had a bit of a chuckle to myself last night doing that yeah mm. that's good reflect I, on reflect on life choices it's yes hmm <laughs> All right, well, shall we move on to um, NCEA, which was the other big story this week? Um, and this was my track on that. Since NCEA was introduced in 2002, 150,000 students have missed out on credits because they couldn't afford the $77 price tag. It's embarrassing and uh, it's completely unnecessary. It may not seem a lot of money for some people, but it's a fortune for many. The government announced it was ditching the NCEA fees in the May budget. That costs $12 million a year. Today, it's announcing the old debt that has been unpaid for the last 17 years is wiped too. Nearly half of students affected will get enough credits for a whole new qualification to be put on their official record. They've put a lot of work into their qualifications, obviously, so it's been tough for them not to be able to get the piece of paper. The minister says it's not just about the money. It could potentially have had an impact on their employment, so they haven't had their qualifications that they can show to their employers and say, you know, these are the qualifications I've got. And it may have even had a, an impact on their ability to undertake further studies. We learnt from teachers who were noticing just the number of students who weren't um, trying to get NCA credits because of this cost barrier. This principal says it's welcome news for teachers too, who were turned into debt collectors. That's been a fair amount of work and an un uncomfortable and awkward position to be in. Um, teachers didn't choose to go teaching so that they could collect revenue. <laughs> But now for students, the slate is clean. What was really interesting is um, looking at some of the comments on this section as well when we put the story online and a couple of the parents coming back and saying, I actually really scrimped and saved to get the $77 for my kids and this feels kind of unfair. And it, there were three or four comments like that that I just thought, ah, oh, that's, uh, that's an interesting perspective on all of this um, because, you know, to, to some people, $77 <coughs> isn't a lot, but obviously 150,000 people have missed out on credits over the last uh, 17 years since NCEA came in. So it was interesting seeing the comments and how that 
went down but it's not a lot of money that I we're talking about I think those sorts here. of comments are quite petty to be honest I mean if we were talking about adults um, who are responsible for themselves etc then sure you could argue look I managed to scrimp and save my $77 but actually we're talking about kids young people and if we say that education is the key to their future then no one should stand in the way of them being able to get credits and if the government's going to pay $12 million a year just to wipe um, those fees then that's a good thing oh it's just not that much money but you also also wonder like two things what one you know for people who missed those credits and may have played a role in them you know yeah in affecting their future at that time and then you also think like okay if you missed some credits 12 years ago you know and and, and now you're 30 are you really gonna are you really really going to care but i do think it's (laughs) it's in principle because for employers for example they would if you if you turned up and said hey look i want a job um you know the answer would be no obviously but if you came along and said here's my ncea results and and but i haven't actually got the piece of paper i would then have to go and log on and see that kind of stuff now if you're a if you're an employer you're not going to bother doing that so why would i pick you i'll just pick mikey who's got a piece of paper there in front of her and i do think that um that kind of stuff that that's when it feels unfair that because you're parents yeah. couldn't come up with the money that you're punished. You were, you were yeah. punished for that and yeah. and that kind of I guess is is quite immeasurable when you look at you know we're not going to know what impact that's had on on people's people's lives, lives. right yeah, yeah. Mm. I was quite surprised it's taken so long actually um, yeah, well, to that get was, rid of these fees they yeah. came in in 2002 and it's only now that we're getting rid of them yeah <clears throat> Yeah, good riddance. This is our One News Inside Parliament, our weekly catch-up about the stories we've been covering. We're on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. It's available around this time each week on One News Now, the One News Facebook page, and you can also check us out on your favourite podcasting app. See you next week. Ciao.